I got to take a few minutes to introduce myself. If you've never heard me before, raise your hand. You've never heard me and you want to give me money, all right? <laughs> I love you so much. Um, I've been traveling for 37 years. Uh, I've been on the road 283 days out of the year, and I've done 20,000 school assemblies. Um, this is my livelihood. This is what I do for a living. And so uh, my wife uh, has fibromyalgia. She's got several things going on. She was a school teacher, which, which helped us when I wasn't on the road, but she is no longer can teach school. Uh, she's a great wife. Man, she's an incredible grandma. And um, so anyway, if you would, I always mention her, would you pray for Debbie? I pray one day she has no more pains. She just wakes up one day, and it's a, it's a great deal. So I, I don't take for granted the, fat, the fact that I get to be healthy all the time. And, and so there you go. If I could take her sickness and put it on me, I'd do it in a heartbeat. So there you go. I am going to share a little bit of my story, but I've got a message for you today. The difference in what we do, what your pastor does, and what I do is he's got to come up with messages every week. I don't because I'm in different places every week. Now, I do come up with new messages, but I don't have to every week. So I preach some of the same messages, not all the time. And, uh, but what I have to do is make sure that my message is fresh, that it's not just words that I'm saying. And so my message today, uh, God's just kind of rested on it lately, and I'm going to go with it again this morning. So do me a favor. Look at somebody eyeball to eyeball before you sit down. Look at them good. Go ahead and look at them. You're going to say exactly what I tell you. Look at them good. I like it when men got to look at each other because, you know, <laughs> they're thinking, dude, this is so wrong unless you're in the woods. Go ahead. Look at somebody. Look at them good. Say exactly what I say, tell you to say. Say, God, God. he loves you. But I'm still working on it. Give him a high five if you would. And you know why you're laughing, right? Because you're still working on it, I promise you. Be seated. If you got a Bible, would you do me a favor and would you hold it up if you brought a Bible with you? Okay, I'm assuming you that don't have a Bible have it memorized. And so I will, uh, I will be calling on you. Um, this is... My last, no, no, I don't, <laughs> she's going to repeat me now. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I'm not going to go there. You can put your Bibles down. This is my final preaching Bible. It's my 11th preaching Bible that I've been preaching for the last years. My other 10 Bibles that I've used in preaching, I'm going to give to my grandkids. This Bible will go to my son, who's a pastor. And so this is it. This is my last one. And so I challenge you, man, become people of the book. Know what you believe. There's not a day goes by, that, and, I, and I realize you can do it on your phone, but you need to have a paper copy of the scripture. You need to take notes and write things down. Now, everybody say, wow. wow. Everybody say, wow, backwards. Wow. There was a pause. <laughs> I mean, it's like you had to think about the word again, and it's, the letters are still the same. So everybody say, wow. wow. Say, wow, upside down. Yeah, for you that said WOM, that's interesting. Um, everybody say wow. wow. I call this the wow factor of my life. When I'm speaking in school, it's kind of how I introduce myself. I'll make a few statements. You'll say wow. And this is stuff that women need to know. The guys could care less. Uh, I've been married 47 years. Wow. I have two boys. Wow. <laughs> They're ugly. Um, well, the nurse said I'd created something cute. Wow. Nurse said I'd created something cute. When I went to look at them, they looked like lizards. 
I have 10 grandkids. My oldest grandson is 23 and a graduate of Texas A&M. Yeah, whoop. Um, so I have 10 grandkids. I am a grandfather. And uh, for you that are trying to guess, uh, I am 67 years old. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I love the ones that emphasize that wow just now. Uh, I don't know when you're supposed to, you know, like die, um, but it's after 67. You know, my deal is age shouldn't be a gauge for serving God. And so I've been doing this a long time. Uh, I'm on Medicare. Any Medicare people here? Praise God. Glory to the Lamb. Anybody on Social Security? So am I. I am. Yeah, we're done with wow. Um, but I am on Social Security, and uh, I am a senior citizen. Now, the day I wear my pants up to here with white socks and sandals, I told my wife to shoot me. And so um, age should never be a gauge. So I, get to, I hope I get to do this forever. And I appreciate your kind words. I'm in good shape for the shape I'm in. So I've got a great word for you today. If you're listening, say yes, because yes. listening is a choice. And every day, we're one choice away from a different life. Now, I've, I've been a part of three plant churches in my life, and they've all grown. I mean, but I love kind of doing this because you guys are getting to set what kind of church you want to have. I can already tell very friendly people. And here's the bottom line, empty chairs. And I, ha and I say this wherever I go, that's the saddest side in our church. We got to figure out how do we fill these chairs up? How do you maybe have more than one service? There's some, because listen, there are more people don't go to church today than do go to church. Amen? Now, if you would, turn your Bibles to 1 John. Go to the book of 1 John. We're going to camp there for a few minutes, and I'm going to give you some... My, here's the title of my message, if you want to write it down. It's kind of twofold. Uh, I call this message, Get a Life, Get a Real One. Get a Life, Get a Real One. You know, and I'm going to say some things, and I've learned some things about your church, talking with your pastor. By the way, you got a great your pastor and his wife are two of the best people you ever meet in your life. And uh, I mean, a great couple and God's blessed them. I've known them for a while. And if you want to, you know, October was Pastor Appreciation Month. And I don't know what you did for your pastor, but you should have done something. If you didn't, then make up for it next week. But I, I challenge you because you want to really make your pastor happy, fill this church up. Man, that would do, because listen, you get lost people here, lost people are going to get saved. You just got to get them here. And so they're not going to drive by this school and, oh, go, there's a new church. We've got to figure out how to get, not just invite them, but to get them here. So I hope that you'll do that. Subtitle my message. If you were going to write this down, then I'm going to give it to you. I call it the four birthmarks of a real Christian. I call it the four birthmarks of a real Christian. Because, see, here's the deal. Everybody point to your head unless you're writing. Everybody point to your head. Say, you can know about God. Say that again. Say, you can know about God. This is important. Point to your heart without knowing God. I'm going to give you a statement. I love giving quotes. Let me give you this one. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Eternity is too long to be wrong. I like what he said about baptism. And let me just say this. Baptism will not save you. You can get christened as a Catholic, sprinkled as a Methodist, and baptized in a Baptist church, and you can end up in hell. You see, baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. 
And I would challenge you. I was at a church years ago in Mississippi, and uh, on, by Tuesday night, we'd have more than 150 people saved. I mean, we were running 1,000 people almost every night. I finished my message, and the youth pastor, who I'd known for years, 34 years old, came up to the stage. He said to me, dude, i got to say something. I'm thinking this is going to be really good, or this is going to be really bad. And so he got up. I won't forget, the church was packed. There was a choir every night. I mean, there was probably 150 in the choir. He said, my wife doesn't know what I'm about to say. I'm thinking this could be really bad. My, my pastor, my staff, the, I'm thinking this is going to be really bad or really good. And here's what he said. He said, I don't know what the church wants to do about this. I'm thinking this is just not sounding good. And here's what he said. He said, uh, I want you to know that when I was a young boy, I walked an aisle and I prayed some prayer and I got in the baptistry. And by the way, none of that will save you. There's not a prayer going to save you. I'll, I'll explain that at the end. You can join a church and it's not going to make you a Christian. He said, I, I prayed, and I believe you can be saved at a, young, at a young age. I believe that. And he said, but I'm going to tell you this. While I was in college, just about 10 or so years ago, I went and heard somebody preach, and I believe that's when I was saved. And that was the, that was the day I gave my life to Christ, but I've never told anybody. And so I need to confess to the church that I am born again, but I've never been scripturally baptized. And he said it right. Baptism won't save you. It just completes the picture. In fact, let me just say this. Baptism is the first act of obedience. And if you've not been baptized, then you're walking in disobedience. That's the first act. He said, I need to be scripturally baptized. And I'm thinking, man, this is incredible. And 34 choir members stepped out from the choir and came and stood behind him. And all 34 said the same thing. Somewhere down the road, we really believed that we were saved, and we want to be scripturally baptized. So I hope that you'll make baptism, listen, it's an incredible deal. And by the way, God didn't come to make bad people good. God came to make dead people come alive. If you read Romans 6, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen? So here's the deal. You can know about God. I hope you're listening without knowing God. I preached this at my son's church. Um, we had 141 people saved that week. I mean, they not just invited people, they got people there. The last night, over 1,200, but on Sunday morning in their 8.30 service where really nothing really happens in that service, we had eight people saved. An 89-year-old woman came walking down with her walker. I'm, I'm thinking she just misunderstood. But I, they let her come on down. She walked over to my son. Been in that church for years, 89 years old. My son came over to me and said, Dad, I need to share what this lady just told me. She came forward with about seven other people. That was the beginning of the week. She said to my son, Pastor, I'm 89 years old. I've been in this church forever. She said, when I was 16 years old, I was coerced. And I don't even know if I said that word right. But that was the word that she used. She said, I was kind of coerced into walking forward with a group of friends and joining a church and getting baptized. She said, at the age of 16, that's what happened. She said, I'm 89 years old today, and this morning I finally got saved. She said, I, I've always known about him, but I never knew him. You can know about his word and not know his word. If you're listening today, say yes. And that lady gave her life to Christ, and the very next Sunday... 
Let me just tell you this. Many of her family found out she had some grandkids get saved. She had a son get saved. All because this lady was not ashamed to say, you know what? This morning gave my life to Christ. Eternity is too long to be wrong. That word K-N-O-W is a very important word. In fact, let me give you, throw some scriptures at you. Listen to this if you would. Uh, it's, it's For you that are taking notes, you can write them down. Job 19.25, and I like this. Uh, you can know your Redeemer lives. The word K-N-O-W. Listen to this. Psalms 9.10. Uh, are you right? You can know that He lives. Psalms 46.10. Anybody got that verse memorized? Anybody know Psalms 40? What is it, ma'am? Ah, be still and not hope, not guess, not pray, but be still and know that I am God. If you read Psalms 139, listen, and I'm going to read some of that. You don't have to turn to it. Psalms 139, one of my favorite psalms, you could actually read the very first six verses and listen to what it says. When I pause, would you say no? Psalms 139.1, O Lord, you've examined my heart and everything about me. You, when I sit down and stand, you, my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel, listen to this, and when I rest at home, and you, everything that I do. You ought to read Psalms 139. I read it probably once a week. 24 verses, it's an incredible psalms to read. Everybody say no. Uh, Luke 16, 15, God knows your heart. But listen, if you would, to John 8, 32. Anybody know that verse? It's a pretty familiar verse. Anybody know John 8, 32? And I, I want you to listen. I ought to know some scriptures. Would you agree? I mean, I'm not trying to impress you with my, but I ought to know the word, not know about it, but know it. And I want you to hear me because we got Jehovah's witness. Let me just say this. Jehovah's false witnesses. Somebody said, well, what if one of them are here? Well, you need to get saved. They're not, they're not my Jehovah's witness, but you know what's sad? They know our Bible. Mormons know our Bible and they don't even believe in our Bible, but they know what some, and that's why they're messing people up. Now, by the way, they don't come to my house anymore because they know I know what I believe. If you listen and say yes, John 8, 32, Jesus said this in John 8. He said, for all of you who believe, he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you. Guys, we got to act like we know the truth and live like we know the truth. Amen? That's John 8, 32. John 10, John 10, 4. He said, my sheep know my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You ought to read John 10. See, here's the deal. The one thing that you ought to know that you know that you know. Now, I'm married 47 years. When I got married, I didn't even give my wife close to a rock. I gave her a little pebble. $165 ring. Dude, that was a lot of money for me. And then on our 20th anniversary, I bought her a 2.6 diamond, got her a rock. I think we got a chance of making it now. I really do. <laughs> now, I don't, know that, I don't know that for sure, but I know this, the one, and I don't know that my boys are always going to live for God. I don't know what's going to happen to my grandkids, but what I do know, if this heart stops, I'm going to be with Jesus today. That's what I know. Now, I deserve it the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Philippians 3, two more. See, that word no is a very 
for pastor and his wife for, for a long, long time. And I listen, uh, I've known them intimately just with, with, with their children and stuff that's going on in their life. See, the more you get to know him, amen, and God knows everything about you, but the more we get to know him, it's incredible. And the more I get to know him, the more I fall in love with his word. Every, every, amen? You listen and say yes. James 4.17 says this, to know to do right and not to do it is sin. To know the right thing to do, but don't do it, it's sin. Amen? Now go to 1 John. Go, if you would. Everybody look at your watch. Would you do that? It's 10.14 for you that are taking medicine. I don't care anybody says that's funny right there. Amen? Are we in a hurry? Go to 1 John. We're going to start at 1 John chapter 3. Now, let me give you a couple things about 1 John. And, and I would tell you, Pastor, I would tell you if I, if I was you, I would tell you, Rick, to preach a series out of 1 John. Five chapters. Let me tell you what I know about 1 John. The word K-N-O-W is used 34 different times. Now, I, I preach from the New Living Translation. I just like how it reads. I know he probably does ESV. My son does ESV. It's the truest translation, but I like NLT how it reads. So I would challenge you, get your version, understand, do the 34 times the word K-N-O-W is used, 34 times. Here's a phrase I want you to write down, born of God. You're going to see the phrase born of God or children of God only six times. 1 John was written to believers. 1 John 5.13 says this. He said, for all, you, all of you who believe, he said, I've written these things to you that you might, that you might, because I'm looking at some young people. I'm looking at some of y'all. I'm just telling you, without your Bible, and by the way, if you're visiting, I'm not talking to you, but if you claim that you know him, you claim that you know him, you ought to have that Bible right in front of you. But do you understand when you don't have a Bible? And by the way, I'm watching your pastor take notes. Most pastors don't even do that. Listen, every chance I get to, I get to be at my church, we have church Saturday night at 5, 4 on Sunday. When I get to be home on a weekend, I will go Saturday night with my wife, and we go to the same ser another service on Sunday, two services, and I know he's going to preach the same thing, but I always get something out. I can't wait to be in my church. Everybody say no. So that phrase, born of God, is used only six times. And let me just tell you, when you do, I would encourage you, get a Bible. Man, bring you a notebook. I've got 50 years worth of notes, and I want you to hear me close. Because when you don't have your Bible, you've got to work hard at listening. You're going to count lights. You're going to look at your... I, I promise you, you've got to work harder to listen. But when you're engaged, and by the way, you want to help him, get engaged in the Word. Amen? If you listen and say yes. All right, here we go. First John, if you'll go there. First John chapter 3, would you start at verse 4? And, and you can see that we're going to go longer than 1035. If you see that, say, I do. Yeah. I mean, I know it's going to happen. And I'm in no hurry. I mean, you guys are going to get out early enough to go to lunch and do whatever. So here it is. First birthmark. Would you look at 1 John 3? Would you look at verse 4? When you're there, Sam, there. Look at what he says. Watch. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. 
Now, every time you see the word no, I want you to underline it. And when I pause, you'll say it. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And look at verse 5. And you, that Jesus came to take away our sins. By the way, your worship was great today. You're blessed to have this kind of worship. You can, you can, and I don't know much about them, but I know as I watch them, you can tell they love doing what they do. You want to bless this team? You want to bless your, your pastor? Get people here. Listen to me. We're running out of time. I was in Manassas, Virginia. The vet, are you ready? Not three or four weeks after 911. And that day when 911 went down, I was in Miami, Florida. And I want you to listen. Nobody was planning on dying that day. You see, if you read Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans that will prosper you, plans that will give you a hope and a future. Listen, he knows everything about you. He knows how much you love him. Listen, and I'm going to just tell you this. I've been married 47 years, and if I only spent, can you imagine one day a week with my wife? I said, babe, you get one day. Can I tell you how long that marriage would have lasted? Yesterday, I talked to my wife at least a dozen times. And my wife knows that if she would have called me last night and said, I need you home, he'd have been preaching this morning. But here's what my family knows about me. They know that I love God more than I love them. And by the way, you find out how much you love God when you lose something. I used to make this statement, and, and now it's reality. What would happen if you lost that son? What would happen if you lost that wife or that husband or that friend? You find out how much you love him. You see, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And we're always going to go, our faith will always be tested. Nine stepfathers in my life. I went to 24 different schools growing up. By the way, 51 years ago this past Wednesday is when I gave my life to Christ. I stepped out of death into life. And by the way, 67 years ago in Portsmouth, Virginia, at a naval hospital, I was birthed. And God's brought me back full circle. You see, when I was growing up, I didn't know anything. My dad's out of my life, nine stepfathers. I was in jail at 15. I was suicidal at 10 after one of my dads beat me pretty bad. I was beat up and bullied at school, beat up and bullied at home. First drink of alcohol at nine. You're looking, you're looking at somebody. I should be a wife beater, a child abuser, a drug user. I ought to be an alcoholic. But 51 years ago, sleeping on a couch, and by the way, if you want to get my books and find out about my story, go to kenfreeman.com. You can order whatever you want. I'm not going to get rich if you do it. I just go to Walmart a little more than you. I want you to listen, but I'm, by the time I'm 16, I don't even know. I've got no family, no future, no friends, no faith. And 51 years ago, this is why you need to bring people. This football player got me to go to church. And for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel and gave my life to Christ. And I'm never going to be the same. See, if I was like most preachers, I want you to listen, because he can't go long. I, I, I say he can't. I mean, he's got to be careful with your time. I don't have to be. You see, I believe we're running out of time. And listen, you're not too far from where the Pentagon, where that plane went into that Pentagon. And I want you to listen, because I went to a church in Manassas, and a chaplain took me over, and I watched as they were still cleaning that up. 
The one story that he told me was a man that retired the day before 911. They gave him a little party, gave him some gifts. And the day of 911, he goes back to the Pentagon because he had left some things. Some others were going to be there. His wife's waiting out front in her car as he goes back in. And that plane, and listen to me, and that was the day that he was killed. Guys, we act like we got all the, here's what I know. Hebrews 9, 27 says it's appointed once for man to die, and after that, the judgment. They say there are two things for certain in life, and the two things are death and, oh, they forgot the third one, death, taxes, and listen to the third one, eternity. Eternity's going to happen. Whether you believe or don't believe, it's going to happen. Listen, I'm 67, and I don't think I've calmed down. Man, I can't wait to tell somebody about Jesus. On this arm, I'd give anything to have my seven-year-old grandson back. He would be 13, and we couldn't beat leukemia, but our loss was heaven's gain. And my son has not given up. Listen, went from five to four kids, and then he adopted two drug babies, Adele and Luke. I mean, half-brother and sister, and they're now four and five. And I want you to hear me. They're going to find out that their mom had eight kids with eight different men in her trash became my grandkids. And then you look on this one, the reason they're taking this trip, Trey's two brothers were in a horrible wreck. If you go to pray for Caleb Freeman on Facebook, over three million are following his story. And this December 17th would be two years. They were in a horrible wreck. The 14-year-old walked away with a concussion and bruised ribs. And the 16-year-old, my grandson, I want you to hear me, 10% chance they would live, a 90% chance he'd be of no value. I want you to hear me. He is now at a church this morning. He's walking without a walker. He can speak. Oh, it's not completely done. We ain't done. And just a few weeks ago, he ran 3.1 miles because he was a cross-country runner, and he did it in 51 minutes. Listen, I know what it is to lose something that you love. I know what it is not to have a mom or a dad. I know what it is not to have a hope and a future until I met Jesus. Guys, if you ever meet the God that changed my life, I mean meet him. You can't have, listen, we can't just be having holy huddle meetings. And that's what a lot of churches are doing today. Didn't invite anybody, didn't bring anybody. We just kind of having a holy huddle meeting. If you're going to do that, join the Lions Club or the Rotary Deal, whatever it's called. I don't know what it is. <laughs> do y'all feel me? Do you think I believe in what I'm telling you today? You know, I listen to a lot of guys preach, and you know, my first question is, are they just saying stuff? You know anything about your pastor? Do you think he loves you? You think he loves this community? See, here's the deal. That word know is an important word. Keep reading with me. Look at 1 John. Can you see why I wish we had about two more days? Here it is. 1 John 3, look at verse 5. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. There's no sin in him. And look at verse 6. You're going to love this, Michelle. Anyone who continues, everybody say continues. Say make it a practice. Make it a habit. I'm kind of helping you with the word. He says, anyone who continues to live in Jesus will not sin. Now, we're never going to be sinless. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all sinned yesterday? Raise your hand. If you're not raise your hand, you just lied. So raise your hand. 
How many of y'all didn't stop at all the stop signs yesterday? Raise your hand. Some of y'all just need to keep your hands up. How many of y'all went over the speed limit yesterday? Raise your hand. How many of y'all? Some are raising both hands. How many of y'all spent money you didn't need to spend yesterday? Raise your hand. How many of y'all wasted time yesterday? How many of y'all lied? How many of y'all worried? See, you've got to listen to me. He's not saying we'll never sin. What he's saying is, if you know him as your Lord and Savior, you will not make sin a practice. It can happen. And what's amazing there, I promise you, I'm not just talking to the choir today. There are some of you sitting here that know about him. You've walked aisles, you've prayed prayers, but there's no passion for the word. There's no passion for the lost. Now listen, there's no passion for empty seats. I'm just telling you, there are some of you here that know about him 18 inches, but you're going to miss him. Oh, keep reading. God, he makes this good. God, this is good stuff. Verse 6, anyone who continues in him, living in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning, makes it a habit or a practice, does what? Does not know him or understand who he is. Verse 7, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows the righteous as Christ is. But look at verse 8. But when people keep on sinning, make it a practice or a habit, it shows that they, watch it, they belong to the devil who's been sinning from the beginning. Look at this. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Everybody say yay. And look at verse 9. Those who have been what? Do you see it? You're only going to see it six times. And in the, you're going to see it twice in this verse. Those who have been born of God. Those who are children of God. The, do, do you think, do you think, and you don't know me that well, do you think I love him? By the way, if you see me here, I'm the same way at a basketball game. You see me this way, I'm the same way at home. I don't just get up like most preachers, because I'll see these guys on TV, and I mean, it's just a man. And then, you, and then you see them off the stage, and they're like dead people. You see, he saved me 51 years ago, and I know this. If that football player had not invited me to go that one night, that one service, I know this, I wouldn't be here today. Who's going to be your one next week, and the next week, and the next week? And do me a favor. Don't just settle for one. There was a young lady in Arkansas. For her senior year, her parents said, I'll buy you any car within reason that you want. You're getting ready to graduate. Anybody want to guess what vehicle she decided for her parents to give her? Anybody got an idea? A minivan. You know why she got the minivan? Because she could get more people to church. Oh, she got laughed at and made fun of. But can I tell you this? There were literally, listen to me, more than 100 or more students saved that year because of a minivan, and she would pick them up. If you listen to verse 8, look at it. Well, when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. Verse 9, those who have been born of God, those who are born into God's family, do not make a practice of sinning. Because God's life, I love how mine reads, because God's life, God's seed is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because why? Look there. It's, you're only going to see it six times. We've seen it twice. I want you to listen. I'm not saying that you'll never sin. I was at a mall a few months ago and I lifted my head up. I didn't, I didn't cut my head, but it hurt. I went, dude, that hurt. The guy next to me said, sir, can I cuss for you? He said, 
Well, he said, why didn't you cuss? And I said, well, when I was lost, I could cuss wallpaper off a wall. I said, but now that I'm saved, those words are no longer here. And that's when he said, can I cuss for you then? <laughs> so I found out something about him. He didn't know my God. God literally has taken that language away. He's taken away the worry, the hate, the rejection, and the fear. And by the way, when you walk in fear, you walk away from faith. When you walk in faith, you walk away from fear. If you listen and say yes. If you've already learned something this morning, say I have. Keep reading. Because they are born of God. Look at verse 10. So now we can tell who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not live righteously, does not love other believers, does not belong to God. You know what's sad? I think in some of our churches we need to put on that little sign out front. Can't we just get along? If you read John 13, 33 and 34, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, love one another as I've loved you. But listen what he says in John 13, 34. He says, he says, would you love one another so that they will know that you are my disciples? And think about that word. Guess who them is? Lost people. My neighbors know I love you. Listen, I've witnessed everybody. If a new neighbor moves in, my wife, she didn't even cook for me, but she cooks for them. I told her, I said, babe, let's one day let's pretend that I'm moving in. We still went out to eat, but I thought it was a chance. But I want to listen. Everybody in my neighborhood knows not just that I go to church, not just that I preach, but they know I love him. Some of them avoid me. And you know what's interesting is? Because they said they know him, I think they just know about him. If you're listening, say yes. God, this is a great word. Everybody say no. So do me a favor. Turn if you would to 1 John 3. Now, read that whole chapter. 1 John 3, 16. We know what life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Look, if you would, at verse 18. Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. I love this. Let's show the truth by our actions. Look at the next one. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Your lost friends, listen, they ought to know that you love Jesus. I promise you, you could go interview my neighbors. My neighbor next door, they just moved out. He, he came to me after Trey passed away. And again, our loss was heaven's gain. There's so much more I could tell you. But I, he came over to you know, pay us his condolences, whatever. He said, and he's not a believer. He knows he's not. I've witnessed to him. He said, how can you still love God? He said, aren't you a little mad that God would take that seven-year-old and let that other one live? I said, hey, dude. I said, and I, I, his name is, uh, I just went blank. His name is Gabe. And I said, hey, Gabe. I said, here's what I do know. My grandson's with Jesus today. And here's what I know. And you're headed to hell. See, you have to listen to me. If we allow circumstances to change what we know about God, you might have the wrong God. Listen, I, I wish I had a different story. 
If I was choosing a story, I wouldn't have chosen mine. I would have chosen a godly mom and a godly dad. I hope you go to KenFreeman.com. You can get my books online, my stories online, but I want you to hear me. If I was choosing a story, I wouldn't have chosen mine. I know the plans I have for you, Ken Freeman. Psalms 139, even when you were in your mother's womb, I got it scheduled. You see, God has a perfect will and a permissive will. He does not cause everything that happens. Amen? Here's the first birthmark. Write it down. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Omit sin. Write that down. If you claim to know him, you're going to omit sin in your life. I mean, it's between my wife and the Holy Spirit, I ain't got a chance. How many men would, would agree with me on that? I mean, if, if the Holy Spirit doesn't, my wife, the second Holy Spirit, she's there. But I want you to know that when I have a bad thought, when my attitude, I mean, Friday was the longest day of my life. I was up Thursday morning at 8 and didn't go to bed till Friday night till about 10, 30 or 11 at the airport. And I want you to listen. When I allow circumstances to change what I know about God, listen, I'm, that shouldn't change it. I ought to love him more. Everybody say omit sin. Go to 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 7. Here's the second birthmark. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us continue. Let us make it a practice. Let us make it a habit to love one another. For love comes from... Now when I pause for you that have your Bible, you can follow. For love comes from... And look at this. And anyone who is born of God. You're only going to see it six times. That, this third one. Anyone who is born of God, watch this, and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Would you look at verse 20? If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a... Man, you ought to study this. Do you know that in 1 John there are six lies? See, some of us, man, I love you, God. Oh, Jesus. But we won't tell anybody about him this week. We won't get in this Bible this week. We'll only pray when we need something or are in trouble. I like praying when I don't need anything. See, some of us with our lips say, man, I love you, God. Mark 7 he quotes Isaiah. He said, you know what? They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's another message. See, here's my question. If your heart were to stop, if you were to die today, don't answer out loud. Do you know that you're saved? I didn't ask about your convictions, your religious beliefs. I didn't ask how much you know about this. Do you know that you know that you're saved? Everybody say, omit sin. Keep reading, 1 John, 20, 1 John 4, verse 20, that person is a liar, for if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Everybody say only, one love. Write it down, that's the second birthmark. If we claim that we love him, we claim that we know him, we're going to love him, if you read Matthew 22, 34 through 37, by the way, some of these verses just kind of pop into my head. It was an idiot lawyer. Oh, he was an expert in law, just an idiot. And the expert in law went to Jesus in, in Matthew 22, 34. He said, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing in life? Y'all know the verse. Anybody know the next verse? The answer was, love the Lord God with all your heart, 
soul, mind, and strength, and love your as yourself. Did you know there's only two commandments, not ten? Because in, in that chapter he says, the, the, the whole law, everything hangs on these two commandments. Can you imagine if everybody loved God like you do? What kind of church would we have? What if everybody prayed and studied the word like you do? By the way, I'm preaching to me. I got a finger coming to you. I got three coming to me. And every time I preach, I want to know him more. I want you to hear me. Your love for God ought to seem like nothing else matters. I love Luke. Luke's a lot stronger. Matthew, Mark, they were a little wimpy in some ways. Luke just nailed it. If you read in Luke 14, you ought to read verses 25 through verse 32, 33. You ought to read it. It's a pretty incredible chapter. But listen to what he says in Luke 14, 25. All of you who believe, if you want to be my followers, if you want to be my disciples, listen to what he says. I love how he says it. You must hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your husband, hate your wife, hate your brother, hate your sister. And he doesn't stop there. You must hate your own life or you can't be my disciple. Now, I know some teenagers are pretty excited about this verse. <laughs> Today at lunch, mom and dad were going to talk. Mom and dad, I didn't, know, I didn't know it was that biblical, but I do hate both of you right now. <laughs> you know what he's saying? Our devotion to God ought to seem like nothing else matters. Can you imagine if people tithe like you tithe? If people loved like you love, if people prayed like you prayed, can you imagine if people served, if people just told people about Jesus? I'm just telling you, you keep telling people about Jesus long enough, you're going to win somebody to Jesus. Everybody say, omit sin. Say, only one love. There's a Salvation Army guy, and this lady was sitting on this street corner, hair matted down, hardly any teeth. You could smell the body odor, stench of it. Everything she owned was in a basket full of bags. The Salvation Army guy said, ma'am, if you'll come with me, God loves you, I love you. She sat there every day. People would say it, drop her off money. Said, ma'am, if you'll come with me to the Salvation Army, you can stay two or three days. We're going to give you three meals a day. You're going to get a shower every day. Going to give you a new set of clothes, a backpack full of some snacks and waters and different things. We went out. She wouldn't even look at him. Ma'am, God loves you. Ma'am, I love you. Finally, he sat down next to her. He could smell her body odor. Ma'am, I love you, ma'am. And finally, he turned this woman's cheek towards him. And he kissed her on the face like it was kissing dirt. And said, ma'am, God really does love you, and so do I. She got up and pointed to her basket full of bags. They got to the Salvation Army. When they did, they put the basket up. She went in the back showered, washed what hair she had, brushed what teeth were, that were left, came back out in a new set of sweats and a backpack. She's going to be able to stay there two or three days. She was eating soup. Why did I beg you to come to this place? She said, I told you God loves you. She said, Sonny, do you see that basket over there? Yes, ma'am. Do you see the bags? Yes, ma'am. That's my life. That's my life. Listen to what she said. She said, I don't know how old I am. I was married. I don't know what happened to it. I got kids somewhere. I don't know where they are. I was a school teacher for years. Don't know. And now I'm here. And she said this. How do I get that God that you say that loves me? How do I get him in my life? 
Because I got nothing to give him. God can take broken pieces and make it into masterpieces. And right there at the table, he led that lady to the Lord, the biggest smile. And when she left a few days later, she didn't leave with just basket and some bags. She left with Jesus Christ in her life. Everybody say, omit sin. I'm not just going along to go along. Everybody say, oh, say, say only one love. If you read John 15, 13, greater love has no man than he lays life down for a Anybody know what John 15, 14 says? This is Jesus' words, by the way. Jesus said, everybody say if. The word if, and that's another message I could preach. The word if is used 1,800 times in Scripture. If you look at the word life, by the way, I'm giving you another series. You, you look at the word life, guess what's in the middle of the word life? If. A lot of ifs in our life. I think Batterson wrote a book on if, and I'd been preaching it way before he wrote the book. But I want you to hear me. Jesus says, you are my friends, watch this, if you love and obey me. Oh, by the way, that's the third birthmark. The third birthmark is obedience. In John 15, 14, Jesus says, you are, watch this, you are my disciples if you obey me and follow my word. Man, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you're following me, you're going to obey me. If you obey me, you're following. Look, if you would, at 1 John 5, would you look at verse 1? Here's the third birthmark. There's only four. Man, we're getting close. Everyone believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. They're a child of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. And look at verse 2. We, 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 we know we love God's children if we love God and what? Everybody say obey. Say keep. His commandments. Young people, I hope you're listening because when you're not obeying your parents, you're not obeying God. And let me give you this. Don't be clapping. Your parents are not always right. Do not clap. <laughs> Don't ever forget they're still your parents. And he didn't say obey your parents when they're right. He said, obey your parents because it is right. And when you honor and obey your parents, young people, I hope you're listening, you honor and obey God. Everybody say, obey God. Oh, keep reading. Look at what he said in verse 2. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. And look at verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not a burden. Go back to 1 John chapter 2. Go real quick. I promise you I'm trying to finish. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Man, I love hearing those Bible pages turn. How many of y'all have learned something today about 1 John? How many of y'all have learned something about the word no? And that's one, of the, that's, that's one of the favorite answers when your kids, when you ask them, take out the trash, take out the trash. Next day it's not taken out. So you ask them, why didn't you take out the trash? And several answers. One is, I don't know. Well, who knows so I can you know, find out. See, here's the deal. If you claim that you know him, are you ready? You omit sin. You're going to be sensitive to it. If you claim that you know him, I want you, listen, the way you talk, the way you live, the way you love. Every now and then we'll talk about different pastors. I'll just tell you, we may have done it the other day. You know what I do later on? I pray for those pastors because I could be that pastor. You see, you omit sin. 
You obey, you, you love him like there's nothing else, and you obey him, even when it doesn't make sense. You know why you obey God? Obedience always, obedience always equals the blessings of God. I'm not talking just financially. You may not get sick for the whole year. I don't have time to get sick. And God bless me. My voice. I mean, I, you know, I was at a, in Houston, Texas. I spoke like 32 times in six or seven days. And I don't, my voice doesn't even come close to getting lost because God blesses my voice. Now, I may not walk one day or whatever, but as long as I got a voice, I'm going to be okay. Everybody say, omit sin. Only one love. Obey God. Look at 1 John 2. You're going to see another lie. 1 John 2, verse 3. We can be sure that if we, that we, we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims that I know God, but doesn't know that person is a, and not living in the truth. God, this is great. Verse 5. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives. And we were listening to the song this morning. Less of me, more of Jesus. Was that John 3, 331, I think? Less of me, more of you. Do you understand that when those birthmarks are evident in your life, you're going to hate sin. You're not going to wait till the end of the day. Listen, there's times i got to confess it. The other day at the airport, I'm getting ticked. And I'm watching me cuss and rant and rave. And God spoke to me, not out loud. That'd be weird. He said, so are you going to be like them or are you going to be like me? I said, God, forgive me. God, I don't want to get mad. So I just opened up my Bible, just started praying. You see, when you claim that you know him, you omit sin, you hate it. When you claim that you know him, you're going to love him even when it doesn't make sense. My grandson that passed away on September 1st, 2013, we couldn't beat leukemia. You want to know the question that he asked his mom? And by the way, seven months before that, he got saved. He said, Mom, I know. And he never called him Lord or Savior. You know what my grandson called? He said, Jesus is my boss. He got saved. And on September 1st, 45 minutes before he died, he went blind. You want to know the question that he asked his mom? Because on the 11th floor, my grandson Trey, at the age of seven now, knows that on the 11th floor in Dallas, Children's Medical City Hospital, that you either went through remission, he knew what that word meant as a seven-year-old, that means you got better, or you got completely healed, or you died. Are you all listening? Listen to what my seven-year-old grandson asked his mom. And by the way, my son's in the room with him. This happened so quick, we couldn't get there. The three oldest siblings were singing songs. They were reading scriptures. He's gone blind. Listen to what he asked his mom. Hey, mom, I'm going to die today, right? His body was shutting down. Mom, I'm going to die, right? And listen to what my daughter-in-law said. Hey, Trey, remember Jesus is the boss of your life? Uh-huh. Well, Trey, in about 15, 20 minutes, you're getting ready 
not to die, but you're getting ready to really live. My son preached his son's funeral because he didn't want anybody else talking about him. 1,400 showed up for that funeral. And I gave an invitation like I'll do in a few minutes here. And 80 people gave their life to Christ. There's a lot of things we know and a lot of things we don't know. But the one thing you ought to know, please look at me. I'm not asking when you were baptized, christened. By the way, you can get christened or sprinkled. Let me tell you, those, won't, it, those are not biblical things. I mean, they're nice things. They just don't save you. You can get baptized in a Baptist church. It won't save you either. Baptism, by the way, Jesus was baptized in our place as an act of obedience. Our example. Eighty people received Christ. And by the way, my grandson, who was not supposed to walk or talk or anything, he's now in Baltimore today. Church found out he was going to be there. He's sharing his story this morning. If he hadn't been there, he was almost here. There's a lot of things I don't know. But I know my Redeemer lives. I know that he died on the cross for my sins, took my place. I know that if I died, I'm going to be with Jesus, not because of who I am, but because of whose I am. I, I, I love churches like this because that's why this church is. This won't be another typical church. If you're listening, say yes. Say omit sin. Only one love. Amen. Say, obey God. Amen. And here's the last one, and we're done. Here's number four. Go, if you would, to 1 John 5. And would you look at verse 3 and 4 and 5? Look at it. Loving God means keeping His commandments. Verse 3, His commandments are not a burden. Verse 4, for, for those who are born of God, every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Anybody want to guess what you think the fourth one is? Overcomers. Listen to Romans 8. You don't have to turn to it, but listen. One of my favorite chapters in the book of Romans. Listen to Romans 8.35. By the way, to add to our story, my grandson who passed away on September 1st, right before he passed away, my daughter-in-law's mom at 61 years of age back then, my age, died with cancer about 85 days before my son preached that funeral. And about 85 days before that, my daughter-in-law's sister also had a babe, baby born with disease called skids, no immune system. He was getting ready to go home, had a really turn for the, and he passed away. So we lost a two or three month old. We lost a 61 year old grandma, mother-in-law, mom, wife. We lost our grandson. In 2017, my son, grandson had the wreck on December 17th. The Sunday before 
Thanksgiving in November of the same year. My daughter-in-law's two brothers were born with the same disease, kids, no immune system. 30s, in their 30s, they both have kids. The girls are the carriers, the boys a 50-50 chance that they get it. Her one brother, diarrhea 20, 30 times a day. He's gone to every doctor. Bone marrow transplant. Four-year-old and a two-year-old. Can I give you the good news? He's with Jesus today. Do you understand the fallacy suicide? The fallacy is that you go to hell. Whoever started that, they have no idea what they're talking about. You see, you don't go to hell because you're bad. You go to hell because you're lost. And I've got two or three pastor friends. If you'd asked me and I told you you were crazy, and all three of them at one point took their life. But let me give you the good news about that. Oh, by the way, before he passed away, you'll love this. They had this conversation. He said, dude, you know I'm dying. He said, if I die, I want you to marry my wife. About three weeks ago, they got married. Most incredible wedding. And his wife said, this is a bittersweet day today. See, God can always take a mess and make it a message. Guys, there's a lot of things we don't know. But it's what you do know that can make it all right. Everybody say, omit sin. Only one love. Obey God. Everybody say, overcomers.